winning a series on surviving a storm. Uh, uh, what, what I want to do today is just kind of wrap this message up, this series up. And we've been talking about different things, about the storms of life. We talk about how the storm, it comes, they're very unpredictable. You know, they, they come out of nowhere, they're unexpected, um, and, and, and they hit you when you least expect it, doesn't it? Those storms of life. And, and so we talk about how to deal with it and how to manage those storms that God throws at us or that life throws at us. And um, we talk about how to have a different perspective when it comes to storms, how we should see every storm not as an enemy but as an opportunity, and uh, an, an opportunity to grow through the, to grow through the storm, to, to increase our faith. It's an opportunity to see God show up and show out. And, uh, and so hopefully we see those things. We talk about a foundation, a strong foundation, a firm foundation. You know, we, we look at, you know, in the story of Matthew, where, where um, in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus talked about the wise man and the foolish man and how, you know, one prepared for the storm and one didn't. And, and one, the, the, the man that did not prepare for the storm, he read God's word but did not obey God's word. Where the person that, you know, was able to handle the storm, he was the guy that read the Bible, but did what it says. He obeyed it. He lived it out. And such a very important thing about foundation. We want to get ready. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today in, in this message as we kind of close out. We, we look at the life of, of Noah, and we, we saw the storm that he went through, the storm that caused the worldwide flood, and we saw Noah's, Noah's life, Noah's uh, faith increase. You know, he grew through the storm. We also saw last week Jonah, and we saw how God used that storm to redirect, so to speak, to redirect um, Jonah's life from uh, a life of rebellion to a life of obedience. And God sometimes brings storms in our lives to get us back on track. You know, sometimes we get out of the will of God, and God uses a storm to kind of nudge us, to push us back to where, where we go after him. And so a lot of different things about surviving a storm. So today... I want to talk about how to prepare for the storm. I want to talk about how we can be ready for any storm that comes our way, how we can be ready for the storms of life. I want to look at a passage of Scripture today in Psalm 71. In Psalm 71, we don't know who the writer is, for sure. For some of us, we might think it's King David, and it could have been King David. And if it was King David, it would have been in the later years of his life. He's already been king. He's already experienced the highs and the lows of his life, you know, the good times and the not-so-good times. And, uh, and so if it was King David, it could have been him. It could have also been um, a, uh, some, some commentators suggest that it would have been a, a person that worked in the temple, an unnamed person that wrote this psalm. And so whether it's King David or whether it's someone that was in the temple, one of the temple workers, and, and again, they suggest that this would have been an older person, someone that's seen life, that's seen everything thrown at them. And so the perspective is we don't know exactly who, but it's an older person that wrote this psalm. And I want us to see Psalm 71 and, and, and see the word of the Lord where it says uh, in verse number one, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. I have taken refuge. Never, let me never be put to shame. He said, in your righteousness, he said, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. 
It said, be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go to. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor, declaring your wonder all day long. And I want to I talk about some things today. I want to talk about how we can be prepared for the storms of life. I uh, put down in my notes here on my phone all the hurricanes that I have been a part of. Now, I grew up here. And in 1993, after, after high school, I, I went down to a Bible college in Pensacola, Florida. And then after I graduated from Bible college, I stayed in Pensacola, Florida. And Pensacola, Florida seemed to be a magnet for hurricanes. I had my first hurricane in 1995, Hurricane Opal. I had my second hurricane in 1998, Hurricane George. I just remember Hurricane George was a Category 1 storm. A lot of rain, but I was able, as a single guy who had no, you know, had no wife or family, you know, just did what I wanted to do, and I got in the car and went to a hurricane party in the middle of a hurricane. I found out that one of my friends who worked at Outback Steakhouse, you know, they shut down everything for three days, and so they gave him all the steaks, and he was going to grill the steaks you know, in the middle of the hurricane party, and I was like, I'll be there for all-you-can-eat steak, you know, and, and he grilled it just like out back. I mean, it was a wonderful time, you know, in the middle of a hurricane. Uh, that was 1998. I went through a hurricane in 2002 called Hurricane Lily. Lily. And uh, she was nice. And uh, <laughs> it was 2003. I, I went through Hurricane Claudette. I went through Hurricane Ivan. In 2004, the worst hurricane that I've ever been a part of was Hurricane Ivan. I was a part of Hurricane Dennis in 2005. I've been a part of Hurricane Katrina, not the, the monster at the middle, but on the outer fringe of it, where it was a Category 1, where we hit Pensacola. I've been a part of seven hurricanes. I know a little bit about storm preparation. I wasn't very good at it. I was a last-minute kind of a guy. You know, it'll be the day before the storm's about to hit. And I called somebody and said, hey, can you board up my windows at my house? And they would come out and they would board up the windows for my house. And sometimes they were pulling it up just when the storm was starting to get a little, little sloppy, you know, and, and they were doing it for me. I wasn't very good at, at going to the store to stock up on goods. I always waited to the last minute. You know, uh, Hurricane Ivan... You know, we didn't have gas for a week. I had to drive to Mobile, Alabama, which was about 45 minutes to an hour from where we live, after the storm, just to find gas. 
and, 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 and go to Lowe's or Home Depot, and they didn't have any gas containers. I didn't even have any gas containers. I was hoping to buy five or six gas containers. Uh, so I remember um, loading up my car with those Home Depot buckets, filled it with five-gallon buckets of gas, and just loaded it up in my trunk. He says, God, that's crazy. I know, I had the windows rolled down, and we made it back. <laughs> so I was, a little, I, I was a little unprepared, even though I know what I was supposed to do ahead of time. I, I feel bad for the guys that own the boat, especially the old guys that couldn't bring a boat out of the water. You know, I mean, they had a, you know, a very slim chance of, of their boat making it. You know, and they would, they would try to tie it down, and if the storm was bad, bad enough, when I was bad, all those boats would just kind of pile up on each other. And then you see the pictures, and you would see it, you know, the docks, you know, just be piled up with boats. If you had a big boat, and you had one that had a better chance of survival, they would actually take the boat to the middle of the harbor, and they would uh, throw an anchor point that could hold the, the weight of the waves and the surge that would come through, and we'll throw that, we'll find a place kind of hidden behind a, um, maybe like an artificial wall, maybe to kind of you know, help, maybe the storm surge wouldn't be as severe. And, and really, it's a shot in the dark. This, this could work, it could not work. But this was the best chance of a boat making it. They would throw that anchor point off the, off the front of the boat. And, and, and however the wind blows, you know, that, that that boat would be able to just kind of go with the direction. And they would just hope that that anchor, that there would be enough slack, there would be enough line for that boat to survive a storm surge. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. But they would do whatever it takes to prepare for a storm. And sometimes you just, it's, just, it's all you can take to prepare and to be ready for an actual hurricane. Well, today I want to talk about the storms and how we can actually be prepared. Not the day before the storm hit, because we don't know when a storm hits. Storm can hit just because of a, by one phone call that, that's made. You know, by going to your office, you know, and, 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 and you hear the voice, hey, the boss needs to see you. And, and, and you could walk away with a bot leaving the office. The storm could hit that quick, that fast. But sometimes life doesn't allow us to prepare for those storms. However, the Bible teaches us that we can be prepared, that we can throw some anchor points in our lives before the storm hits. And, and, and oftentimes what we want to do is we do it until after the fact, until the storm hits. Then we start throwing anchors, you know, into the water. It's too late. It's too late. Uh, so I want to talk about four anchor points as we talk about how to survive the storms of life. Four thoughts as we kind of wrap up this series on how we can be ready for the storm. So take a note. Number one, we need to prepare, we need to place our lives, we need to anchor our lives on the anchor of God's presence, on the presence of God. I'm actually talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And that we are to anchor our lives into Jesus. And I know for some of us, that may sound like a very, uh, that sounds pretty elementary. I know that sounds like a kindergarten level of truth. But if we're going to be prepared for the storm, then you and I must rely on the person of Jesus. 
I'm not talking about the day that you were a little kid and you asked Jesus to come into your heart. I'm not talking about just going to church every Sunday. I'm talking about you entering into a day-by-day relationship whereby you have fabricated, you have fabricated Jesus in all areas of your life. So often we come to Jesus when we're in the middle of the storm, when we're in trouble. We say, oh God, I, I need you. I say, God, these, the, the storms here, the, the adversity that's being thrown at me, it, it, it causes me to go to my knees. And that's good. But here's my suggestion is that we should already be on our knees before the storms. Before the storm hits. A few weeks ago, I preached on, uh, in, in the first message of this series, I preached on Mark chapter 4. Now, Mark chapter 4 was when Jesus was sleeping on the boat. We all remember that story. You know, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the disciples, they hit a, you know, the middle of a storm on the Sea of Galilee, out of nowhere. And they're scared for their life. They wake up Jesus from his nap. And, 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 they, and they look at Jesus and say, hey, don't you care? Don't you care that we die? You know, I, I, I think it's interesting when I preached this sermon four weeks ago, um, I've, I've heard four different sermons on this same passage of Scripture preached at me by four different people. And I, was, I went to a little one-day conference about three weeks ago. Uh, this was this passage. I went to a conference last week, and that's where there three people that preached from this passage. You know, and, and, and they didn't know what they, it wasn't, you know, hey, a March chapter four conference. You know, it was like, you know, <laughs> they were all preaching their own sermons. And so, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, being, I'm getting boomeranged by my own sermon. Maybe, maybe there's something I need to hear from this, right? And I kept hearing, God is still in your storm. He's still in your boat. He is still with you. The disciples said, God, don't you care that we're going to die? And sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We're like the disciples. God, don't you care that I'm out of a relationship? She said, don't you care that I lost my job? Jesus, don't you care that I, can't, that I can't pay my bills? Jesus, don't you care that I have all these health issues going on? And Jesus, he responds to the disciples, remember? He said, of course I care. Yes, I care. I'm the son of God. I'm in the boat with you. And he gets up from his nap. Now, and I love the, 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 the image of this. I mean, here's the boat. It's about to, it's about to flip, Right? You know, the wind and the waves, the water coming in. Some of these disciples, I'm sure they got their buckets and they're just trying to get the water out of the boat. And, 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 and I mean, I'm sure they're not even paying attention to Jesus at this point. They're, they're focusing on the waves and the wind. They're just trying to stay afloat. And Jesus, you know, he gets up. You know, can you imagine? You know, he's trying to hold on. Have you ever been on a boat and the waves would kind of knock you out? I mean, you know, last summer, I went fishing out in the Gulf, and we had to turn around because it got really, really rough. Even the guy, uh, fishermen guys, I mean, I got to turn around, just hold on. It got rough. I mean, I was just holding on. Water coming at me, you know, from every direction, and we got out of there. You know, here's Jesus holding on, and all of a sudden, he says, stop! Just like that. It calmed down. I'm sure the, the disciples are like, what just happened? And I could see Jesus doing this. They look up and see Jesus up in the front, just like the Titanic movie. Stop! Right? 
You know, I'm the king of the world. You know, I'm, I'm the captain of the sea. I'm in charge. And I'm sure the disciples said, wow, who is this man? Bible said, who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? But what an encouragement to me that no matter what you're going through, what I'm going through, Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. Now, when you read Psalms, you, you, you see David. When you read the book of Psalms, you see the intimacy that David had with God. You see it through and through. And I, I, I wonder about you. It's so easy to have a casual relationship with God. Casually just going to church on a Sunday. You know, maybe, maybe that's when I get my Bible with me. Maybe that's when I open it. Maybe that's when I read it. You're, you're very casual. David talked about an intimate day-by-day relationship. You see this through Psalms. I want you to see that through one of the most beloved Psalms that we know, Psalm 23. Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. Oh God, my cup overflows. It overflows with your mercy. It overflows with your forgiveness. It overflows with your, your grace and love. I see it overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you, can you sense the intimacy that David had? How, how I desire that. How I long for that too, and how I long for you to have that. But some of us, we come to church with our cup barely full. In fact, it's empty. And David said, you don't have to get to church to fill your cup. You can fill your cup every day in a relationship of Jesus. You want to be ready for the storms? Have your cup overflowing now with the, with the intimacy and a relationship with God. Karen has been saying this in the series, she said, here's a quote, God. You got to use a quote. She said, don't just survive in the storm, but thrive through the storm, the power in that, right? Don't just survive in a storm, but thrive through the storm. But then this past week, my wife and I were listening to a podcast. And it was funny because the podcast used a similar quote, but it just added one more part to it. It says, in order to survive and thrive, you must abide. Abide in who? Abide in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. Don't just survive, thrive, but in order to do that, you must be abiding in God, abiding in him. 
Here's the second thought, if we want to prepare for storms of life, we've got to anchor ourselves in God's people, in the people of God. I'm talking about here, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I, I think it's always true of us that when the storm hits, we are always reaching out for support from others. I think that's true. I think when we, when we find ourselves, you know, drowning in the middle of the storm, that we're, trying, we're just reaching out. We're just saying, hey, I, need, I, need to, I just need people to surround me, to lift me up, to pull me out. Now, I think that's awesome that you can have those kind of relationships that can be there for you. However, a good, good idea for all of us here this morning is that we don't wait for the storm to happen to try to cultivate those relationships. In fact, you cultivate, cultivate those relationships now. You begin the friendship now. You, you say, well, I don't need anybody. There's going to come a day when you need somebody, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so start building those relationships. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 15. We talked about this. He said in verse number one, he said, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. By the way, if you're strong now, you might be weak tomorrow. You might be strong today to help someone that's weak. And you might be weak tomorrow depending on someone who's strong to help you up. And so he said, hey, we who are strong, we ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insult of those who insult you have fallen on me. God said, hey, I'm in your corner. Jesus said, I, I've got your back. You know, when they, go, when they go after you, they come after me, and I take the hit. You know, and, and so he, he's after them. He said in verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now look at verse 4 again. For everything that was written in the past what, 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 what is that? That's the Old Testament. You know, we sang a song a few minutes ago. You know, the God of Jacob, the God of Mary, the God of Abraham, the God of David. We hear those stories to know that there is a God, the same God that helped them, the same God that carried them through the storm, it's the same God today that can help you and help others. It said in verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. In other words, we're to fill other people's cup. We're to help them up. Just like God has come to, you know, to save us and to help us. And he's been faithful, ever so faithful for, for eternity past. But he said, hey, I want to work through his people. I want to work through the people of God so that we can lift each other up. And God said, we need to start building some relationships now. That, that's why here, getting connected to a small group is so vital. So vital 
It's not just about learning God's word. That's a big part of it, absolutely for sure. But also about connecting with others. I've seen some of the best ministry happening in small groups. Well, members of a group ministering to others and serving each other. And I encourage you, we're almost done with our small group for the semester. We do semester-based. We take a little break for Christmas. Everybody got things going on. And then in January, we kick it back up again. And I encourage you to get involved in the new year. Get connected to a small group. Be involved. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our troubles. Why? So that you and I can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is an opportunity when you go through a storm and you get through a storm. And when you see someone else after your storm go through a similar storm, you can relate. You can empathize. You can say, hey, I've been where you've been. I know what you're walking through. I know the storms. I know how it's hidden. And I can be there with you. You know, when I see on the television set, when I see news of a hurricane and the devastation, I can empathize in ways that maybe many of you have never able to. Because I've been there. I know what they're going through. I remember Hurricane Ivan and the devastation and the cleanup. I, I, I can empathize more because of what they're going through because I've been there. What storms of life and the people around you, what storms are they going that you say, you know what, I know what they're going through. God wants to use you to step into their storm and to walk alongside of them. The body of Christ. But what relationships are you building right now? What relationships are you building? Here's the third thought. As we get as we get ready for the storm, the storm preparation, we've got to anchor ourselves in the promises of God. We've got to anchor ourselves in the promises of God. You see, when the storm hits, our faith will be challenged. It, the storm is going to test your faith. Y'all hear me? Your, your, your faith will be tested. Storm is going to make us wonder. Storm is going to challenge us. Storm is going to try us. Storm is going to cause us not to understand. And one of the ways that we can be steadfast against the winds and the waves is the time that we spend in the pages of God's Word. Now, we should not, oh no, my relationship falling apart. I need a verse. Someone give me a verse. Ah, thank you for the verse. I got me a verse. Let me post that on Facebook. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about anchoring your life in the Word now. 
Don't wait for a storm for a verse. Don't wait for a storm to start reading God's word. Read God's word in the good time, in the calm. Read it through the storm, and then on the other side of the storm. We're to read and spend time in God's word. Now, for some of you, that might mean that you need to get it off the centerpiece of your coffee table. For some of you, that might mean that you need to clean it out. The last 48 weeks of sermon notes and, and, and church programs to get the, get the blow the dust off the cover. For some of you, that, that you just need to get the, the paper, the, the, the offering envelopes out of the, out of the Bible, and then you start spending some time in God's word. Psalm 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. It said, blessed is the man, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked. In other words, don't walk in the culture of this, of this world. Don't let the, the, the quote-unquote truth of this world guide your steps. He said, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. He said, but blessed is the one whose delight, whose joy is in the law of the Lord, God's word. And he meditates on it day and night. Meditates, you spend time. You're not just reading it. You're not just reading it. As fast as you can, so you can get the check mark off in your, your Bible version, so you can get the badge at the end of the month that you completed the Bible study. You're, you're spending time meditating, absorbing, reading God's word. You're not just you're not just listening. You're not just you know hearing it, but you're listening. You're listening with you're listening with your heart. You're looking at what it says. The delight in the word of God. Look at verse 3. Here's, here's the results of that. That person that spends time in God's word, it's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the person that can stand Strength of a storm. That's interesting to me when you watch hurricane news coverage. And if you ever watch it, you see it, the palm trees. They're, they're, they're beautiful. They stand up tall, you know, and, but then when the storm hits, they, but after the storm, guess what? They stay up. I rarely ever saw a palm tree down after a hurricane. Now, other trees, live oaks, they got shallow roots. They, they, they're, they're big, big monster trunk. You think they would survive? I had six live oaks in my back tree, my, my backyard. Every one of them down. The only thing that survived was the one dead tree that I wanted taken down. <laughs> Man, you're going to take that one. <laughs> but palm trees, they've got deep roots, and they hold fast. The word of God strengthens us, give us strength and give us some roots in this world so that when the wind blows, 
we're ready. We can survive. Here's the fourth anchor point. We've got to anchor our lives in a lifestyle of praise. Got to anchor your life in a lifestyle of praise. Got the presence of God. Got the people of God. Got the promises of God. Now you got the lifestyle of praise. I think one of the best ways to weather the storms is to rejoice and praise God in the middle of it. So you got to rejoice, you got to be worshiping God already. It's hard to find worship in the middle of a storm when you haven't been already been worshiping. That makes sense? It's a lifestyle of praise. It's a lifestyle of worship. I, I would just put on your handout notes, but this is a, an important truth that you need to know about storms. That storms always brings an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. Let me, let me say that again. Storms always brings an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. Remember, how you're looking at storm matters. Do you see storm as an enemy or an opportunity? And if your eyes are open, the storm can bring an opportunity for God to show up and to show out. In Acts chapter 16, you know this story. Paul and Silas doing the right thing, preaching the gospel. They get arrested. We pick up the story in verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. City officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Bible said it was severely beaten. Now think about that. Think about severely beaten. They were stripped and they were beaten with wooden rods. I, I imagine that these guys are bruised up, pulped, their faces pulped up. You know, if you ever watch a Rocky movie, you know, and you see Rocky Balboa, his face after a fight, I, I, that's what I'm picturing. You know, he could barely, could barely open his eyes. And, and, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into inner dungeon, not just the outside dungeon. They put them in the deep part, probably the worst, the worst part of the whole place. Probably, probably rats crawling through, mud, damp. The jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I'm sure Paul and Silas, they could have said, man, God, we don't deserve this. This is not fair. Man, this is not fair, God. Do you ever, you ever, we ever say that? God's not fair. Come on. God, I've done everything right. And, and now that you brought this on, God's not fair. But notice what they did in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners 
were listening. They sang, they sang praises to God. They, these guys, Paul and Silas, were aware of the presence of God. And then the Bible said that the other prisoners were listening. See, nobody listens to you more than when you glorify God in the storm. Y'all catch that? Nobody listens to you more than when you're in the middle of the storm. When life has hit you hard, when you feel like you're in the belly of the whale, when you've hit rock bottom, you got category four, category five storm hitting you hard. Are you worship God? See, it, it, it's easy to worship God when things are going well. In fact, the unbelieving world expects that out of you. But it's shocking to them when you still worship God when life is falling apart. This past Friday was Veterans Day. If you served, will you raise your hand? I'm not asking you to stand, but if you served, raise your hand. High, you're high and proud. Be proud of it. Yeah, there you go. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Grandfather, my grandfather served in World War II. You know, and, and part, of the, part of the Army, and uh, in fact, Air Force. Air Force. You know, in World War II, uh, what was one of the devastating things that we all know in history is the Holocaust. German soldiers and the Nazi party killed six, over six million Jewish people. We talk about storms. We talk about you know, the worst of humanity taking place. A lot of these Jewish men and ladies and children were sent to concentration camp where many of them did not survive. The allies came and started freeing the camps. And I see these Jewish men and women malnourished, barely hanging on skin hanging off their bones. They walk through and they see bodies. That was a horrific sight. And they walk through one of the concentration camps where one of the survivors who didn't think he was going to make it through the storm, did not think he was going to survive. But because of his testimony and because of his love for Jesus, would not quit worshiping God. And he wrote these words on the wall. He said, you know what? If I die, if I don't make it, I want this to be my testimony. And it's on the walls of a concentration camp and it's still there. The words that he wrote. I believe in the sun, even when it isn't shining. I believe in love, even when no one is there. I believe in God, even when he is silent. In the middle of a storm, 
they worship. They trust God. And a lifestyle of praise. People are blown away when they see stories like this. Nobody listens to you more than when you glorify God in the storm. We go back to Acts chapter 16, verse number 26. The Bible says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off, and Paul and Silas broke free. Remember what I said. The storm always brings an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. God did something great in their presence. The wind, the storm, gave God an opportunity to do something great. Listen, some of you here this morning, you're defeated. You're, being, you're defeated. The storm has hit you hard, and you have been defeated. Some of you have given up hope for God to do something great. Let me say this, that there's hope in the middle of your storm. There's hope in the middle of adversity. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus gets up in the boat and spoke to the wind and the waves and it calmed down. My friend, I hope that you never forget that because the next time you're in a storm, we should say to God, God, you have all authority to calm this storm. Meanwhile, God, I'm going to wait for you to accomplish your purpose and I'm going to praise you no matter what. I'm going to give you glory to your great name. That's only going to happen if right now, before the storm hits, that you throw out a rope and you anchor your life into a lifestyle of praise. I said, some of you say, well, Scott, I don't get a whole lot out of worship. May I remind you that worship is not about you. Worship is all about him. It's all about him. And God wants you and I to get our eyes and focus off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, off the winds and the waves. And like King David on Psalm, in Psalm 71, get our eyes on him. He's our refuge. He is our rock. And declare his splendor. In just a minute, that's what we're going to do. We're going to close out this service with worship. And as we close out, I want you to remember, as we get ready to survive the storm, storm survival starts before the storm hits. Have you anchored your life in the presence of God? Have you anchored your life in the body of Christ? Have you anchored your life in the promises of God? Have you anchored your life in a lifestyle of praise? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word gives us hope. Hope in Jesus. Hope that we have that we have in the middle of a storm. That you are our refuge. That you will guide us. That you will help us survive the storm. But God, help us today 
help us today, God, to be prepared. Maybe there's someone here that's just not anchored into your presence. God, maybe there's someone here that's not anchored into your into the, the body of Christ. Uh, God, maybe there's some of us here who are just not anchored on your word. We don't spend time in your word like we should. God, I pray that maybe there's some of us that we just need to start worshiping, not just on Sunday, but all through the week. A lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of praise. Oh God, you are the God of Jacob, Mary, Abraham, David. The same God back then. It's the same God today. And you hear, you listen, you answer prayers even today. Oh God, help us in the next few minutes as we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just stand and sing this last song with us.
first day of our family's life, and we, I talk about it a lot, and I will continue to testify to the goodness of the Lord when, you know, I said that my 39-year-old wife was having a stroke, and they were rushing her away, and we didn't know what to do, what happened. I will tell you that that's a storm that shows up like a flash flood. It is destruction, and it is possible death, and it is terrifying. And uh, I will tell you the sweetest thing that happened in that was peace. Now, peace gets described like peace is like, oh, I feel like everything's going to be okay. Now, I don't know what that is, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's like a blind, like just, you know, like, oh, I feel good. Now, I, there was nothing to feel good about right there. If I felt good at that point, they have a word for that called bananas. Like, you, I would have just been crazy. No, I didn't feel good. You know what I had, though, was I had... I had the Lord's voice hit me, and it didn't hit me audibly. It hit me like a new resolve that hit in my heart, and it was two things. I am here, and I know. And I, can I just tell you, whatever you're in the middle of right now, that he is there with you, and he knows. He knows. The same God that was with Paul and Silas in the prison is the same God who's with you now. The same one where we were begging the Lord, please show up. The same God that you have seen rescue some people and not others on this world. The same God. He's there. And I, I dare you to do something really rare in the midst of Christianity. I, and it, I, it's a crazy idea. Is that you actually read the scriptures instead of just having expectations on the Lord, maybe let's actually go to him, to the word, and watch how the same Lord, the same God that comforted Jesus while he was in the garden is with you now. The same God who had to come through when Elijah is like, bring fire from the sky, the same God is with you now. You are not alone, and he knows, and you can trust him.